Katherine Gallagher. Jan Pest. And this is Bitchin' About Food. OMG. Thanksgiving is, I'm going to say, fucking over. I don't care if I use the F word too much. I don't care either. Thanksgiving's over, Jan. I know. Let's have a high five. High five. We're high fiving everybody. Okay? We're not We're not really. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it turned out good. It was delicious. I thought it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was delicious. I actually liked it kind of better than last year. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Your salad was a hit. Your green bean casserole was the star of the show. Like, yeah, that... I could not stop eating it. It was so freaking good. But again, it was the French cut green beans yes. that made the difference. Well, and we have not, we've gotten so much feedback on our Frima and Barbara episode. It's not even funny. It was a wonderful thing to have your mom and your aunt on the patio yammering away about stuff. And your mom kept reading my beads and it was so goddamn funny. I loved it. Yeah. Well, my aunt's, I think, coming back again. So when she oh, does, yeah. we'll do another patio. Yeah, we'll do a patio moment for your mom's 95th. We'll do yeah. a, a 95th celebration. Yeah. That'd be good. It'd be fun. Anyway, Jan, the holidays are upon us. The holiday crunch is here. You and mm-hmm. I are both getting our asses kicked at work. And I'm in the cursing out the food blogger that I got the recipe from stage of Christmas cookie baking. The other day I was in my kitchen rolling out some cookie and I was like, fuck you, Heidi. Fuck you and your stupid one eighth of an inch thick thing that sticks to my parchment and then the cookie cutter doesn't work and it all falls apart. Fuck you. Not Heidi Bauer, another food blogger named Heidi. (laughs) I was going to say, isn't Heidi going to be in our podcast? No, Heidi Bauer is a wonderful cook and she would never force me to roll dough out an eighth of an an inch thick to where Mm. it's impossible to work with. Fuck that Christmas cookie. Anyway, I got all my Christmas cookies done. It's like, oh, did you? Yeah, and nobody eats them anyway, so it's okay. I eat them. I know you eat them. I eat I all don't of make, them. I don't make cool Christmas cookies. You know who makes great Christmas cookies is Dean's ex-wife. Mm. Amazing. Um, and your kitty cat is okay. Jan had kitty cat surgery. Her kitty cat had to go under the knife. Oh, we're going to talk about that? We're just going to say, hey, a little shout out to little Freddy. He's okay. My Freddy. Oh, God. Oh, my baby doodle. Okay, everybody in the audience who is a... Okay, everybody who's a man now who might have had a boner listening to us, you just killed it. Okay. Yeah. I don't care. Okay. Finally, one thing that happened at Thanksgiving, which is really funny. It was the post party after Thanksgiving. Um, You found out for the first time about pantry mites. You had no idea. We had a dinner party the other night, and we were talking about yeah, pantry mites. Yeah, I thought mites. you guys were pulling my chain on no, that one. No, pantry mites. It's a thing where you open up your flower and little bugs fly out. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I don't ever want to see that. Jan was freaking out. I'm still freaking out. <laughs> I have all my flower in my freezer. That's yeah. insane. Yeah. Who keeps their flower in their freezer? I don't want pantry mites. I've had them. Mm-hmm. I've had them. Okay, but my... you you Okay, you can't have pantry mites if the flower is not in a pantry. Right? It can be in the cabinet. It's not in a cabinet. Where is it? It's over my stove in one of those, um, you know, plastic sealed Pantry mites. containers. Riddled with them. No. I'll bet you anything because it's over a hot stove. It's a breeding ground for pantry mites. I'm going to take a sharp object and kill myself right now. <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to welcome our guest, Mary Pat Donovan, who's here today and uh no i can't stop thinking about this now yeah we'll, i'm going home right now we'll ask Goodbye. mary when mary pat gets here we'll ask her about the pantry mites and see if Ugh, she knows what we're talking so about okay disgusting. all right okay. And now, okay all right let's cut to mary pat okay, okay. Goodbye. bye i mean hi mary pat <laughs> this is it this is a bogus situation here with the two of you <laughs> <laughs> well that's a nice opener Welcome to the podcast, Thank our you. dear friend, Mary Pat Donovan. Yay! I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. The woman, the myth, the Could legend. Could you give me something to drink out of that bag there? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
So I have to literally stop now and get you something yes, quickly, to drink out of that bag. Quickly, okay, fine. I'm, I'm Jan, fill start in the making blanks thirsty noises. Hey, Mary Pat. Jan, How are I you? saw your picture of you and your mother in your holiday hol- your holiday costumes. Our, oh Christmas yeah, costumes. the Christmas costumes. I, I, my response is, those girls are Jewish. What are they doing? Well, <laughs> we're Jews that enjoy our Christmas uh, attire. Decorations, right, yeah. yes. Okay. It's, it's pagan anyway, Mary That's Pat. Right. I don't care. Yeah. I know. We're not here to talk about the holiday outfits. We're here to bitch about food. So, yeah. But I haven't seen Jan for a long time since I saw yeah. her picture. It's an elf and her mother is an old elf. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mary Pat. Yes, yeah. a lot I've of times I get... Are you guys, true, Jan. I, I've, I've been asked if she's my sister, so that always makes me feel really good. Yeah. Well, she so. looks like an old elf. Okay. Sorry. Stay on the microphone. Okay. okay. Let's talk about Thanksgiving. It's over. Okay. Did you do what I tell you not to do every year and put your stuffing in the turkey? No, I wanted to, but I didn't. But I made it in a separate pan and put, covered it with tinfoil and put it in the oven for a while. Oh, my God. We're making really progress. Yeah, it turned out really good. Everyone liked it. Oh, my God. Because you used to put it in the turkey and I would yell at you. Okay, here's what happened this year at Thanksgiving. We thought we're going to be, be easy. We're going to go to Vallarta and get a pre-made dinner. Pick, they make everything. You just pay for it and pick it up. Throw the turkey in the oven for an hour or two. Yeah. And everything you need is there. Right. For the dinner. Potatoes down to the stuffing, everything. And um, the, the it's, a, it's a Mexican grocery store in the valley called Vallarta. I used to go there to buy- Sounds like Viagra, it, but it's not. Not Viagra, Jan. I'm sorry. I won't interrupt I, you. Um, go ahead. <laughs> I, bought, I bought my chicken for the food truck from that grocery store. They have really good chicken. We're going to talk about the food truck. Okay. Okay. So I, we called up, we figured, well, just order our dinner. Screw it. We won't make it. Well, yeah. I just order it. Yeah. One year I ordered it for my friend Mary Treesburg. The year her sister died, I ordered catering for them for Thanksgiving at her house from, um, from um, fuck, what's the name? Well, wherever. So, you're, so you call up Vallarta, you order the food. and then... order it. The next day the phone rings, 11 o'clock in the morning. Hello, this is Jake, the manager of the deli department. I, I got some news. We sold your Thanksgiving dinner. <gasps> To somebody else. Wait, we sold this, our dinner. This was Thanksgiving Day? You got this notice? This or, is the day before. No, oh, my God. The day before. Oh, my God. We had no Thanksgiving dinner. You mean they, they wait a minute, they, they only made a finite number of Thanksgiving dinners and yours was one of them and they sold it? And they sold it to somebody else. What the shit? Had so, you already paid for this? No. No. Oh. Well, what did you, you do? It up. Okay. So what did you, Jen, did you pay for it? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a logical question. <laughs> Okay. Well, we would have gotten a refund, I'll tell you, if we had paid for it, but we didn't. So um, so what did you do? It's too late to defrost the We yelled at the guy for a while on the phone and said, what the fuck are we supposed to do? We have people coming for dinner now. We have no dinner. Yeah. He said, I'm sorry. We sold it. We don't have any. You can't defrost a turkey in a day. That's what I said. You can't. You can't buy any frozen thing. Nothing. So you went and bought day. a fresh turkey. Okay. We called an organic store. Okay. Organic store. And they had fresh turkeys. $18 a pound. Yeah, no kidding. A 10-pound turkey would be $180. Do the math, Jan. Yeah. Well, you just did. 180 so. bucks. <laughs> Who's going to pay 180 bucks for a turkey? We were so mad. You are. So the men went out. All the men went out. Steve and the guys went out in the car like they had guns and they were going to go shoot turkeys in the alley or something. Yeah. They went out to some store and they found the turkey. They brought home a 13-pound turkey. It was not expensive at all. It was you know regular price like... 80 cents a pound or something. And, and we got it. We had the turkey then. And, and then and, we, and it was not frozen. It was fresh. Okay, good. So the next morning, first thing we did, we got up and put it in the oven so it would be ready at, at around noon or something. 
And we kind of made the side dishes after that. So then... It's a lot of fucking work, isn't it? Fuck shit. That's why we were going to buy it. Yeah. Because it is a lot of... I lot shouldn't of have said fuck shit. I'm That's sorry. Okay. That's show. okay. All right. Jan's no, going to cry now. Look no, we say, fuck, <laughs> we say fuck shit all the time on the show. Okay. So I want to go back. I want I want to bitch about... Now that Thanksgiving's over, we don't have to think about it for 350 more days. I have a Thanksgiving God. story to tell if you want me to. Though. Okay. Let me hear your Thanksgiving okay. story. Is this from the past? Yes. I want to talk about your past. Okay. okay. So tell a Thanksgiving story from the past. Okay. It was thanks. To, it was a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And of course, being high pothead, we waited till the day before to go into our shopping. So we go over to the Ralphs. We figure we'll grab a turkey out of the Ralphs there, and Dad will get our turkey there. Yeah. We go to the Ralphs, and you go in the in the aisle. And you know how when you go in the aisle, sometimes in a, gro- a big grocery store, they have those big freezers that are massive open squares in the middle of the floor. Yeah. Yep. They had one of those, and and it was to it was supposed to be filled with turkey, so everyone could get their turkeys for Thanksgiving. So we go there, and, and and all these people are standing around looking at it, looking at the freezer. And we go up to them, and there are all these yuppies standing around looking at these empty freezer. What? Not one turkey was in there. What? It was empty. All They were out of turkey. So there was no turkeys in the store. So you didn't have turkey that year? Oh, no. this is I know where this story's going. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had no turkey in our cart. Let's just put it that way, Jan. So then Steve Sweeney, who has no morals of, of any kind... Now he's listening. That's not true. He's got morals. He's your. He's your. He's. He lives with you. He helps you. Yeah, he's wonderful, actually. And a bit, had it not been for him, it would have been turkeyless year. But but we had turkey because of him. So he said he was in the aisle, and the butcher was in the aisle. There was an old lady in the aisle with a cart, and there was a giant turkey in her cart. And she was yelling at the butcher, saying, "I that's not my turkey. That turkey's too big. I don't want that turkey. Get me another turkey." This is too big. It won't even fit in my oven. I don't. I, it's not the turkey I ordered. I don't want that turkey. <laughs> so the butcher said, we don't have any more turkeys. That's the only one we have. She said, I don't want it. It's too big. So Steve thought, she doesn't want that turkey. It's too big. So he walked past her cart. Well, he, when he was walking past her cart, he leaned into the cart and picked up the turkey and took it and ran down the aisle. It was an act of altruism. <laughs> he stole the turkey out of the old lady's cart. And I, don't, then, I don't look at it that way. As he was getting toward the front of the store where Glenda was already in line with the groceries, he heard the old woman go, where's the turkey? Where's my turkey? <laughs> Someone took the turkey out of my cart. Oh, no. <laughs> Where's my turkey? Oh she my god! Steve see, had, I see that Steve did her a favor. That's Steve's, an act of that's altruism. That's what he said. She said she didn't want it. Yeah. So I thought I better get before he puts it yeah. back in the case. He, he did her a favor. He did I, her a favor. That's it was a real good story. nice. She didn't have to lift out of her cart. That's a good and story. He, he got. She got up to the front of the and Glenda was already going to see what they had in the way of frozen turkey breasts. And Glenda was already in line at the oh, front. God. And he got there with the turkey and she goes, "Where did you get that turkey?" And he said, "Ice, ice, ice. Will you ice?" <laughs> when, we were, when we were working off Broadway in New York, we used to stop at a bodega across the street, kitty corner across the street from the theater. Uh, before you go, get some iced coffee, get a, a a sandwich with an egg sandwich, you know, to eat. Yes. Usually Michael Shepard would take our egg sandwich and eat it. Of course he would. Yeah. Yeah, he's been on the podcast. Go give me that. You he take seems it right like from an Steve. egg sandwich stealer. You well, take, take it right away from Steve and eat it. Yeah. 
Well, Mary Pat, I have a list of things to talk to you about. I mean, it just goes on and on. I was compiling. So far, your your Thanksgiving stories are heartwarming. Yeah. By the way. Just heartwarming. Stolen turkey. Thievery. The old woman yelling in the aisle, where's yeah. my turkey? And Someone then, took it. And then you repeat later on. What am I going to do? This year, yelling at the butcher for accidentally selling your Thanksgiving. Selling yeah. our dinner. Yeah. Okay, whatever. To others. It's over. All right, yeah. what questions do you have? I'm ready to answer. Okay. Your childhood. Yes. You were raised... Basically, I want to say by a single mom, right? Yes, my parent, my, my parents were divorced when you were young. Yes, and you and your well, sister when I was like eleven or twelve. Yeah, and you mm. and your sister. Mm. Was your mom a cook? Did she like to cook when you were little? My mother would work all day long on a pot of spaghetti sauce. Yeah, she used to have the ingredients in little bowls on the counter. Okay, she would put the whatever she was going to put in like the sugar, whatever. She, I mean, a little wooden bowl on the counter waiting to go in the pot. And it's, it points during the day when she was cooking the sauce, she'd pour one of the bowls into the thing and stir it up. She worked really hard on it, real hard. She was real proud of her spaghetti sauce. Was it good? It was terrible. When I was, a, <laughs> when I was a little kid, it was horrible. It was way too spicy for me. I didn't want it. I want, I would say, Mom, can I just have butter on my spaghetti? And it would crush her because she had worked all day long on the spaghetti sauce. Mary Pat is very sensitive to certain things. Spice is one of them. I don't like spicy food. You don't like fish? I can't. I don't eat fish. And if I make chocolate chip cookies for her, which I meant to do today, but I, I lost track of time. That's all right. She has to have milk chocolate with walnuts. Walnuts. You cannot have. I like... Milk, I love walnuts. Milk chocolate only, not semi-sweet. I don't care for dark chocolate. Milk, not mm. even semi-sweet. Milk chocolate and walnut chocolate chip cookies. Those are the three things I know about your food preferences. So you're not Jewish. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Okay. She grew up on the Just south side of Chicago. South side, right. South yeah. side of Chicago. And my sister-in-law, I, I want to ask you about your, your neighbors and stuff. My, Do you, you want to hear about the halibut my mother used to make for us? Okay, I want to hear about that. My mother made halibut, and people went crazy for it because before she made it, she would soak it in milk in the refrigerator, mm -hmm. which takes a fishy taste away. Mm -hmm. And um, she would soak it in milk and cook it in the, in the broiler. And, and that's what we had for dinner on Fridays. Yeah, meatless, and, meatless Fridays. <sighs> Did you like it? No, Catherine. <laughs> no, because, you know, halibut has little bones in it. Oh. I couldn't handle the bones. I no. couldn't handle the bones. No. No. It was ruined for bones and fish. But somehow you got a love of food from your mom. Somehow. Did you help your mom cook when you were little? Did you? No. Help? No? Oh, I, I, she let me make the macaroni and cheese. Yeah. You're the one who told me to make macaroni and cheese with American cheese. Oh, yeah, absolutely. American cheese absolutely. and milk, that makes the best macaroni and cheese. Absolutely, it does. Yes. But it's hard to find... And a, butter. Butter it, and, and um, breadcrumbs. But, you know, it's a little bit of a challenge to find the brick version of American cheese. They don't really make Just that, buy that much. Just buy it sliced. Any, yeah, sliced but that takes a lot of fucking slices. So it's, get a pound. It's a lot of slices. Not that much. Yeah, anyway. Want good macaroni. So growing up on the south side of Chicago, I'm going to tell you a story. My sister-in-law knew, and I told you this story already, but I'm going to tell you again. My sister-in-law knew a guy who had 13 children, and then his mother, his, his wife died. And the guy remarried a woman whose husband had died, and she had eight children. So they had 21 children. No, what were their names? The Blouse. I went to school with one of the Blau girls. Okay. 21 children. 
Yes, it was a joke. So they had two giant picnic tables in the house. That was one. That was of, their dinner table. That was their dinner table. Twenty-one, and a lot of the kids were the same age because the the parents in their prior marriages had had children at, at around the same time. So a lot of the siblings were the same age, but they weren't twins. So when you went to your neighbor's house in Chicago, in the south side of Chicago, you went to a neighbor's house for dinner. What was the big thing that you noticed most of all? What did you notice that was different from your own the house? The Wiemets. They lived on the block. The Who? father worked, the Wiemets, the father worked for Allstate, sold insurance for Allstate. They had 13 children, 13. <laughs> and um, the thing I noticed is that they also had a picnic table in their kitchen, huge picnic table. Yeah. And the, it was massively crowded. There was fighting over space at the table yeah. to get something to eat. <laughs> How was the food? Didn't you think food tasted better at your neighbor's house when you were a kid sometimes? Yeah. Why? Because my mother I had this spicy sauce on the spaghetti. I didn't want but that. She didn't just make spaghetti sauce. What else did she make? She made me eat fish on Fridays. And so two things. What else did she make? What's the third thing she made that you liked? Did she make anything that you liked? Did she make hamburgers and hot dogs? She, no. Did she make... So, no, we never had hamburgers or hot dogs, so ever. So macaroni and cheese, you had to make that. I made... I, I felt good because she let one day she let me make it. What about your sister Kathy? Did she make food? Was Kathy a cook? No. No? But she's a really good cook now. Yeah. How'd that happen? When I don't she, know. She When she got she's, married? She's a, she's a fussy eater. She's got issues with her guts. And so she has to eat special food. She doesn't eat like... She only, she's kind of vegan. She's vegan. Oh, yeah. Okay. So for our listeners, Mary Pat and Jan. Don't go, eh, when someone says they're a vegan, I've learned that. Well, I, I can say it to you. You're not a vegan. No, but I have eaten vegan food in the past. Yeah. And I've turned it down too. Yeah, I can imagine. But wait a minute. Just for our listeners, Mary Pat, you and I met and Jan, all three of us met during that magical show, The Good Times Are Killing Me in, in Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. By the City Lit Theater Company. Jen was the depressed mother. 1980. <laughs> I was the sassy teenager and you were the Leeds mother. And we met and all of us, we will all agree it was a magical time. Yeah. 1989, City Lit Theater. It was supposed to run for six weeks. It ran for a year and a, a year half. A year and a half. A year yeah. and a half. And, and we should have gone to Broadway with it. We should have, but we didn't. But we had a wonderful time and we endured. And then you created a show, Late Night Catechism, that was also supposed to run for six weeks, which is still running to this very day. 30 years later. In fact, I have two shows next week. That's very impressive. It's been running for 30 years. You'll be happy to know I ran lines this morning at five in the morning. Good for you. Did yeah. you know my them? My, sorry to interject, but my favorite story about that is that Mel Brooks and Anne Bancroft came to see you in the show. Oh, yeah. yeah, that and was they, very cool. And I they was at came, the cornet Yeah, and they came backstage and... On the way out. I always stand on the way out with a bucket and collect money for retired nuns. Yeah. And um, on the way Jack, out. Jack, the guy who used to be, I can't remember his name, Jack Riley, I think was named Jack Riley. Um, yeah, he's an actor. Was, he was on yeah, the he Bob, Bob he, Newhart he show. He used to be on the Bob Newhart yeah. show. Um, was a good friend of Mel Brooks. And he was also a good friend of um, also Howard Morris. One night I was there on the balcony of the cornet looking down into the courtyard. There was a beautiful courtyard in the theater. You could sit outside on benches if you wanted to. And um, there was, um, what's his name now? Howard oh, Morris. Howard Morris, thank you. You're welcome. Howard Morris was sitting on a bench in the, in the, in the courtyard. And I was a huge fan from childhood about her. I, when he helped me figure out the show business was a business and you could have a job at it. Yeah. Because his name was in the credits, Howard Morris, 
director, Howard Morrison. He was in there. I really liked him on on the, um, the, the show Andy of Griffith's shows. Show. He was on the show of he shows. He was on the show of shows. Yeah, he was really good on there, too. He was great. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and Mel reason, Brooks wrote on that show. The reason that Sid Caesar hired him for that show is because he could pick him up. Yeah, that makes sense. So I, I went down. I said, excuse me, Mr. Morris, I'm really sorry to bother you, but I got to tell you, I'm a huge fan of yours, and you're responsible for the one of the reasons that I'm in the theater today because I understood it to be a business from seeing your name in the credits. I said, I, I, I here's my business card. If you ever want to come to the show and bring people, call me, and you can have as many tickets as you'd like. Oh, nice. So I gave it to him. He goes, oh, thank you. And he called me about two weeks later and said, I'd like to bring a lady friend to your show. Got to get a couple of tickets. I said, I'll leave them at the box office in your name. So then he came to the show. And then one night, he called, um, Jack Riley called me and said, Mary Pat, um, I want to send some people to your show. But listen, I don't want you to say a word to anyone. Mel Brooks wants to come to your show. Oh, my God. He 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 wants to come in, but he doesn't want any fuss made over him. He doesn't want to be made out, singled out in the crowd. He wants to come in right when the show starts and sit in the back of the room and be left alone. So I said, no problem. Mel Brooks, okay, no problem. Yeah. So um, Puff was the house manager. So she, he came with, and we, Amber, he brought Ann Bancroft, who was his wife at the time. And they came in together, and I saw him come in. I was on stage. You know when you're on stage? Yeah. Sister stands center stage and talks straight down the aisle. Yeah. So I was standing center stage, and I could see down the aisle, and I could see him come in in low walk to his seat. He made Ann Bancroft squat down, too. <laughs> she low walk to her seat, too. And then they say it in the back. And, and of course, I watched him the whole show to see what he thought. And there were times where, where he was watching, and, he, and I was watching looking at him, and he would laugh, and he would lean way over out of his chair and hang way out of the other side of his chair. And Ann Bancroft was laughing, too. That, that made me real happy. Yeah. And when it was over, I said, Puff, take the camera. Take a picture of me. I said... Mr. Brooks, can I get a picture with you guys? And he said, absolutely. You're quick. He told me I was quick. Well, you are quick. I am quick. But here's the thing. Keep leaning forward into the yeah. mic. Keep into the mic. Okay. Yeah, you keep leaning you. back. Don't lean back. But when we were doing The Good Times Are Killing Me, this is way before Late Night Catechism, the three of us, one of the things that you always talked about during late t The Good Times Are Killing Me that was always interesting to me that I never knew about was your restaurant in Michigan. Yes, I had a, I had a submarine sandwich, salads, and ice cream shop in, in I, I, New it, Buffalo, Michigan. Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Because you were an actress in Chicago. It was named Sharky's. Sharky's. But how... How did you go from your mom's house with bad spaghetti sauce? And it wasn't bad. It, she didn't like it. It was spicy. It was too spicy for Well, me. it That's was bad all. if she didn't like it. Okay. Never mind. Don't you think? I'll just say no. a lot of people liked it. Some people, my mother thought it was good. So. Okay. You yeah. went from halibut and boxed mac and cheese and spaghetti sauce. Somehow, after college, you graduate with a degree in theater, and then you end up somehow in Michigan with your own restaurant. How did that even happen? Why? I was interested in renovation theater. I bought houses in um, in Michigan and renovated them. And I bought a summer cottage up there and fixed it up and I lived there. And I, another house I bought and redid it. So I was interested in that. And I had a friend who was was a real estate agent. And one day we were talking. She goes, you should take a look at Shark. That, that little, it was like an old um, Tasty Freeze. Kind of where you see the windows that angle in. Yeah. There, yep. And the roof comes over them. Yeah. Keep it, was that. For it looked like that. And um. so you went and so looked at it. I went it. and looked at it and I thought, I could do something with this. And my friend said, why don't you make a sandwich shop? So I thought, oh, great. I'll do. I work with Jim Buckley, who you don't know. 
who um I know Jim Buckley. Do you? Yes. Okay. Yes. He had a submarine sandwich shop near Loyola when I was in college. I worked for him then. It was called the Little King, and he made submarine sandwiches, and I worked there then, so I knew how to do it. That's how you met Jim. He had a sub shop near Loyola. Yeah, he, he went. He was a theater major at Loyola, and I was too. Okay. And he had a great submarine sandwich store, great sandwiches. So I used to go there, of course. All the, and then I got a job there. Okay. And I worked there. But then, um, but so your friend in Michigan said you should renovate this dilapidated old place, and and but you didn't just renovate it. Then you became the owner and purveyor of the restaurant. That's right. I ran the restaurant. But what made you decide to do that? You were just supposed to go in and renovate it and then go on to the next thing. Because it was fun. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah. And you could make your own sandwiches. Yeah. It was fun. People enjoyed the food. So you always like to do something where people come in and they're happy when they're going out. Yeah, so it was like they a come back. but it was a hospitality thing. Yeah, it was. So you couldn't really do acting if you were there doing the restaurant all the time, right? I mean, it was. Well, I actually belonged to an improv comedy group in 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 Union Pier. Oh, in we Michigan. Met and had rehearsals, and we did stuff once in a blue moon. We would do a show, and then you would had this place, and then mm -hmm. what made you give up the restaurant? What made you stop doing the restaurant? You just was not time to move on to different things. It was a money pit. Yeah. Costs a lot of fucking money to run a restaurant. Yeah, even a little sandwich place in Michigan. Even just a little sandwich place. My, they made the bread for me at the bakery across the street. So I always had fresh baked bread for the sandwiches, yeah. which was fun. But that restaurant really lodged in your memory because you were always comparing food to that restaurant. Sharkies. Because you really liked a lot of the, the quality of the food there was mm -hmm. really good. And that bled into your next food venture, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But before we do that, let's talk about the good times are killing me because I was telling Jan in the car, I want to touch. It was so much better than you in that play. <laughs> and now I turn my sights on Jan. Shut up, Mary Pat. Listen, oh, Jan, you were so depressed. It was so good. Listen, she was the mother of the girls. Yes, I know. I was in, I was in the same play. I know what she did. And okay, her husband so... dumped her, and she was just depressed all the time <laughs> because Laurel Wyatt was her daughter. Remember her big, no. fake, her big giant fake boobs. God, that was funny. I, you know, I don't even remember the character being depressed. You sat at the table with your head down all the time. Really? Sad. What acting? Because your husband dumped you for what Cherry. Acting? What acting? Oh, my God. Really yeah. too. What drama? But you may remember this, Mary Pat. Glenda, um, who, you know, is your partner. She's back in Chicago now helping her mom who's Ill, who's older. But Glenda would come. 90-something. Yeah. Glenda would, we would, we did so many shows that we started to have to bring food. Like we, we would do like. Saturday and Sundays, we'd have two shows each day, and we decided to do potlucks. And that's kind of where we brought our own stuff. And Glenda would always bring soul food. And that was our first education, my first education, into what soul food actually was. Because for those of you who don't know, the good times are killing me. Spaghetti and macaroni and cheese, I learned that. It was a mixed race cast. There were black people and white people in this show. That's kind of what the show was about. But Glenda was the first one who told us about greens and how long it takes to cook greens. She also explained to us what the, what eating high on the hog meant, which I thought was fascinating. Um, you know, 
back in the day during horrible slave times, you know, the the slave, the plantation owners would eat all the good cuts from the pork, the high on the hog pieces, and then the slaves would get all the other stuff like the feet and the ears and the nose and all that, whatever, whatever. And they would create the most beautiful dishes out of it. And I didn't know any of that. I mean, I didn't know anything about black culture at all until I did The Good Times Are Killing Me. And it was fascinating. And the food was phenomenally good. I don't know if you remember how good our, our potlucks were back in the day, but you never liked my sesame noodles because they were always what? Too much peanut butter. No, too spicy. Too spicy. Too spicy. You hated how spicy my food was. You don't like spicy food. But then you come out here, do late night catechism. We all are doing late night catechism, blah, blah, blah. And then you call me up one day and you go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm flying to the East Coast. I'm buying a, tr- I'm buying a truck. Camper. I'm well, buying a camper. camper. From those kids on TV that sing the horrible pink song. Yeah. She got it into her head to open up a food, on top of everything else you had going on, you decided to open up a food truck called Jose O'Malley's. American and Mexican food. Jose O'Malley. Right. But there was a slogan, something like... Oh, the slogan was... um, Food so good. We're food experts. We've been eating all our lives. Yeah. But why on earth did you want to open up a food truck? Same reason you wanted to open up the place in Michigan? Yeah, because it was a lot of fun. And it was a very popular thing. Oh, yeah. People were very interested in it. And you could do cool stuff. You had mashed potatoes. You had like That a was whole... it. I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning and peel um, about 30 pounds of mashed potatoes. And then I'd make them and mash them. I'd mash them with a half-inch drill and a, and a paint mixer. <laughs> this is every day. Wow, that does every sound morning. like fun. It was a blast. It sounds it. But and the thing is... I, I have to put the hot potatoes into these boiling bags. While I was doing it, I'd take a dollop of the hot potatoes and throw it on the floor. And all the chihuahuas run over and, and oh, eat up God. the potatoes off the floor. Stop moving around. Stay on the microphone. Okay. But wait a minute. But 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 why? So you did all, we probably shouldn't reveal this, but you did all the food cooking for the truck in your house. It's against the law. I know. But it's, so over, it's over now. It didn't happen no. that way. I also parked the truck in the driveway next door. Yeah. You're supposed to be at what they call a commissary, which is... Um, and you're supposed to use a food kitchen that's... Approved by the city. Yeah. And you have to use a commercial kitchen to cook your food. Yeah. Or you have to cook it on the truck. Yeah. I think they've changed the law since then now. You can actually cook food for... If you sell food at a farmer's market, you can cook it in your house now. A little bit. That's shocking to me. Yeah. Not a food truck, but if you sell food at a farmer's market, I believe you can cook it in your house. But you did all the cooking in your house. You did all that. 4.30 in the morning, peeling potatoes in my pajamas. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I've made mashed potatoes twice in the last two weeks for holidays. It takes fucking forever. It's a pain in the ass. You got to use a, 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 a beater. I did. I used a, a beater. beater. I used a beater. It's, it still takes forever. It just takes forever. I mean, they turned out okay, but your mashed potatoes were good. They were delicious. Yeah. I had a woman say, uh, don't tell my grandmother this, but my, your, your mashed potatoes are better than my mother's and my grandmother's. Yeah. And the food truck went along for a while. It did. It yeah, was okay. we did fun with. We had fun with it. We went. We did a lot of places. And then what happened? Again, Co- yeah, a, money pit. Thing. a money pit. A money pit. But the because in the next, you know, the transmission's going out on the goddamn truck, and you know. Well, it was an ancient truck. I can't believe you drove it back from the East Coast and made it. I mean, it was an old ass camper. It was old, yeah, camper. Yeah. But somehow it worked, and you and you re, you you refigured it yourself. You took the camper apart and made it a kitchen. I took it to a, manu- a truck manufacturer who okay. took it apart and rebuilt it into a food truck. 
Yes. And then I went through the whole thing of putting all the appliances and shit that you need in there. Mary Pat's a really good, for those of you who are listening, Mary Pat, in addition to being an actress, a brilliant actress, is also a really good rehabber of everything. In fact, while we were doing The Good Times Are Killing Me, one day she shows up and she is in a wheelchair having broken her leg from a horrible fall. I was I was doing a on deck top at of Gina's her house. Yeah. On top a of her deck roof. I thought before I put this rooftop deck here, I better put down a new roof so it doesn't leak ever. So I was putting I put down this the black felt paper and I was and I was um, putting tar on the seams of the black felt paper and I was walking backwards putting the tar down on the edge and on the seams and I walked backwards and I I di- I didn't cut the I let the black felt paper hang off the edge of the the roof so it was hanging off this much the edge of the roof so I was walking backwards putting the stuff down and I wasn't paying attention and I stepped backwards onto the black felt paper it didn't hold me oh no you and could I, have cracked your head open I, there were stairs right there when I landed I landed next to the stairs I could have killed myself you could have killed yourself but I stepped back I stepped off the roof backwards and I fell and as I was falling I grabbed the I grabbed the gutter and I hung on the gutter for a minute and yelled Gina Gina's hanging from the gutter then the gutter broke and I landed on the ground. Oh, and I felt my leg go. It broke right here, right below my knee. The whole thing broke sideways. Talk about show business gumption. She kept going in the show for another six, seven months. That's right. In a wheelchair. Just in a wheelchair. That we just rewrote. It was like your character broke her leg. I mean, you know, it, it totally worked. Now that you're retelling that story. Do you remember that? I remember the character being in a wheelchair with a cast, and I thought that was part of the story. I forgot that Mary Pat actually did break her leg. She called you on the phone crying. You and I were roommates at the time, and I was sitting next to you, and your fo- the phone rang, and you picked it up, and it was her crying. And I could hear her say, Jan, I broke my leg. And you're like, Mary Pat, what? And you go, Mary Pat just broke her leg. I don't even remember that. Yeah. It was so traumatizing, but you were like a show business rock star. You're just like, well, yeah. I, and it was hard to get up the stairs to the upstairs theater. Yeah. So I'd come in and Michael Shepard and any of the big guys that were up there would come down and carry me up to the stairs every which way. they pick me up upside down and my head would be hanging up the <laughs> and they'd carry me up any old way. It was so disrespectful. Oh, you loved it. You <laughs> fucking loved but it. But then I would get up there and then you get in the wheelchair and you go right to the dressing table and... All right, so then you're with Glenda, and she cooked for a while when you were together. She was the cook in the house. She's a tremendous cook. You didn't cook. She cooked. You cooked once in a while, but she cooked. Yeah. Now she's back in Chicago. Uh, Now you live with a bunch of men who are taking care of you, caregivers and such. A bunch of men. What's the situation with the food? Who's cooking? Who's making you food? Are you fending for yourself? Are you scrabbling around in the alleys with the cats? No, we have Postmates. Oh. See, if you're nice, Steve will order the Postmates. He's probably listening right now. No, he's not listening. We haven't posted this yet. Okay. But wait a minute. So that's what you do? You order You order in every night? No, not every night, but a lot of the times. Well, where or, do you... Or we, or we get something. We get some food in the house, and then we cook something. Well, who's we? The guys? You met Colin in yeah. the driveway? Does he make food? He's a, Yeah, he likes to cook. He'll cook. Okay. He'll say, what do you want for breakfast? I say, I don't know. What do we have? And he'll tell you, well, we got eggs. I'll put potatoes and onions and garlic. I'll cook them all together. And he does that? Yes. He'll make eggs with potatoes and stuff. It's wow. really good. That's not bad. No, he's a good cook. And then dinner, it's like Postmates or whatever, and you don't, you know, whatever. If I, uh, yeah, sometimes if I'm lucky, I get them to order Dickies. Do you ever have Dickies barbecue? No. Oh, fuck. It's really good. Really? Yes. Delicious. Brisket. <laughs> they have brisket, too. Yeah. I've heard of Dickies. Have you? I yeah. haven't. Delicious. 
Wait, I have to look at my thing here. Oh, your mom lived with you for a while. At oh, the here, end, yeah. At the end of her life, she came out here and lived with you. Jan lives with her mom. Yes, I do. Was she fussy about food? Was your mom fussy when she was out here, when she was at the end of her life? Was she hard to cook for? No. The doctor had, she had, she had, she had a disease called cryptococcus, which she got from her bird. Yes, I believe that. I don't like birds. They make me she, crazy. The bird, um, when bird, the bird, birds shit, they don't have a bladder, so they shit every eight minutes. When they do, it dries and turns into powder. And when it turns to powder, if you inhale it, the yeah. disease uh, happened to Bob Dylan. He first didn't sing for two years because he had birds and he let them fly around his house. Yeah, I'm afraid of birds. Well, he got sick from the bird shit in yeah. his house. Yeah, I believe that. And um, my mother got the same thing. And um, it affects, in the end, it gets your kidneys and your liver. It def yeah, horrible. Everything, everything you can imagine, the disease gets there. So my mother had this bird, and she was like, oh, it's not his fault. It's not her fault. It's not the bird's fault. She wanted everyone to know it wasn't the bird's fault. She loved the bird. She used to take it for a ride in the car. But it was the bird's fault. It was the bird's fault. It was her fault. But wait, how did you cook for her? What did you make for her? How did she eat? One time it, on Sunday, it was the, the Bears game was getting ready to come on. And, you know, she was always complaining. She wanted spaghetti, 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 because Glenda made really good spaghetti. And this one side, she wants spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. So Glenda made the spaghetti, okay? That's a so big I, theme in your mother's life, isn't it? Spaghetti. She loves it. <laughs> she loved it. And she loved Glenda's spaghetti. So Glenda made the spaghetti. And we're trying to watch the Bears game. So I take the spaghetti down to her and I give it to her. And I hear, I said, here, taste it. It's really good. I get a thing, wad of spaghetti on the fork, and I, I give it to her. And she eats it, and she, and she eats it. And then she goes, I said, if you think I'm going to sit here, like, feed you like a baby bird, you're wrong. I'm going to watch the Bears game. Feed yourself. Goodbye. Wow. That's some tough love right there. Yeah. She's got a pinch. So then. <laughs> but with the, with, did you have to feed your mom all day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, all that stuff? Or did she fend no. for her? No, she could feed herself. She had okay. a kitchen in in her apartment that I made for her. I made did, a nice apartment for her, too. I know you did. Did she cook? Did she cook for herself? Yeah, she would. Okay. All right. All right. And sometimes she would bring it down the street. She'd bring it through the backyard and down the street. Oh, really? Okay. Was this? Did she ever make the spaghetti sauce that no. was still too No, here's spicy? what happened. We gave her the spaghetti. I said, here, Mom, I'm not feeding you. Feed yourself. I got to go. The bears are playing. So I left. And then I get a call that ring, ring, ring. Hi, what's up? She goes, well, there was an accident. You better come down. Oh, yeah. That's what happens. I get And there in the spaghetti, I had put in dove gray carpeting in here. Oh, no. Beautiful gray carpet. And white, all the walls were fresh painted. The whole place was done over. And the spaghetti was all over the gray carpet and up the wall. Oh, God. I said, what the hell happened? She goes, I don't know. I got tangled up in the TV tray. <laughs> I go, I'll tangle you up in the TV tray. Look at the wall. Look at the carpet. Oh. Did you make her get down on her hands and knees and clean no. it up? Okay, no. Good. She was old. You yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but you've always had like a passion for food. And more importantly, there's a strong desire in you to give hospitality. For example... When late night catechism was running in full swing in LA, you would throw these Christmas parties every year that were legendary food for miles, as far as the eye can see. I mean, you had food everywhere, and yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but People I mean, love to eat. Look at Jan. But you <laughs> is she asleep? Is Jan no, sleeping? No, she's no. wide awake. No, but but you've always had a passion for food. But I, it's not even. Food so much as it is making sure people are happy and eating. That's what you like to do. You're having a good time. 
you like to feed people with you like to feed people and see people enjoying their that's food. That's why I love the food truck because it was so much fun. Do you miss it? Sometimes I do. I was talking about the brownies. Do you ever have one of the brownies? I don't think so. It's is called it a, Death by Chocolate. Is it special brownie? No. Or is it, no, 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 no. Okay. It's a regular brownie from the bakery. Okay. And I would get them and I would um uh, I would buy an eleven pound brick of chocolate from the restaurant depot. And I have a chocolate um I have a machine that um proofs the chocolate so you can melt it right so it's the right temperature to use. And I, I would put the brownie on a on a on a stick. And I would dip the brownie in in the chocolate and let and let it drain off and lay it down like a ganache, and let it get and let it. it was, so it was chocolate covered brownies, but they were beautiful, dark Belgian chocolate is what they were covered with. So when you bit them, it just the chocolate cracked, real cold chocolate would crack, and you'd be biting into that delicious brownie in there. It was so good. Yeah. On the stick. Yeah. I sold them for a lot of money too. Yeah. Three dollars and fifty cents. They were worth it. Well, I mean. Now that you're not in the hospitality, is that what you miss about the truck and the restaurant and all the yeah, food? Yeah, because that was, I'm, actually, Catherine, I miss the mashed potatoes the most because they were the, my favorite. Can you make them yourself or is it too hard now? No, I can make them. Somebody stole my half-inch drill. If I could find a, my drill, I could do it. <laughs> you could use a regular mixer. You don't have to have a drill. You're not making it for a thousand people for the truck. You're just making it for you. But I, I used to have this really big pot. It was this tall and about this big around, and I would make the mashed potatoes in there. Oh God, Mary Pat, that's so much goddamn work. But you end up with such, the, and then you have to put them in the bags. What about the meat? How did you do the meat? Did you do the meat at home too? All the meat, the taco meat, all that stuff. You know, Mark's apartment. Yeah, it was the kitchen. We had we used Mark's apartment for the kitchen. Oh right. And Araceli would make the meat down there. Oh my god. And then we would bag it and put it in the refrigerator, and then so it'd be ready to go when it was time to go. You take it out. To, we had a big refrigerator freezer in the truck, and we would put the meat in the freezer in the refrigerator and would sit there cold, ready to go. When you needed it, we'd take it out and drop it into the steam table, and it would heat up. The steam table would heat it up. Yeah. It would serve the um, serve the chicken and pork out of the steam table. Did you ever run out of food? Did you ever run out? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's so weird. Like, we have to drive away now. We ran out of food. <laughs> we, we, we used to do, the city of Los Angeles does a movie night over right behind Chinatown. Right. And one night they asked me to come. And we took our tr truck over and we sold out. You know, people were pushing each other out of the way to get to my truck and get some potatoes. Well, the one the one thing about the food truck I do remember is that you enjoyed sitting out front. I had a little booth. And and, and could, kibitzing yeah. with the people. And it said on the front, uh, there was a lady with an apron on there going, and it said, get over here and eat. <laughs> and, yeah. and I had a table with our cash register was behind it. Then the window for the truck was right behind my shoulder. So I'd yeah. get them, they'd come up to the, um, come up to the uh, thing and I'd say, can I get your name? Catherine, I want to get a name in case the cops come. I'm not going down for you. I want to give <laughs> you your name. I always got to laugh. Oh, well, okay. So like... Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming, Mary Pat. Yes. Can't stop it. What are you doing for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day dinner? What's your go-to Christmas meal? Lean forward into the mic and tell us what your Christmas meal is. What do you make every year? What do you like to make every year? Mashed potatoes? Roast turkey, turkey. Turkey. You do another turkey? I, I, I would do a turkey for Christmas and not feel bad. Uh, not roast beef? I would make a roast beef. I have another show business story to tell about oh, okay. Howard Morris. <laughs> All right. We'll circle oh, no. back. Okay. I love Howie Morris. 
I don't even know I who this is. When I was a kid, I don't oh, even she, know who this is. On the Andy Griffith show, on the Andy Griffith know. show, he played. Um, I hate that show. He played the hillbilly who threw rocks through his girlfriend's window to let her know how much he loved her. I hate that show. Did and, you never watch the show of shows with Sid Caesar? No, ever. I'm too young, Jan. Well, <laughs> okay. I'm gonna make you YouTube the "This Is Your Life" episode. Okay. Yeah. Just the This Is Your Life episode. And there's a scene where Sid Caesar comes out and Howard Morris is hanging on his leg. Yeah. Caesar's walking with Howard Morris it's hanging on his leg. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll watch it. Yeah. No, Andy Griffith creeps, creeps me out. I don't like that. Okay, here's a showbiz story. Well, after I met Howard and he came to the show, afterwards he made over me and said it was so good. And I said, would you like to have lunch sometime? And he said, I would absolutely love to have lunch with you. Aww. So I, he gave me his address. I picked him up at his house where he lived with his son, who was a, a, a TV director, his son. Okay. I can't remember his name, but you see his name every once in a while. He's, he's Howard Morris Jr. on there. He's the director. Anyway, I went to his house and picked him up, and we went to a restaurant not far away, and he got Chinese chicken salad. And then um, he said, what do you want to talk about? I said, anything you want to talk about, Howard. I want to hear anything you have to say. He said, do you want a show business story? I said, yes, I do. From you, I do. He said, you know, Imogene Coca had just died recently. He said, Imogene was a friend of mine, of course, and um, I went to see her. She's in the motion. She's in the TV old people's home or whatever it's called. I don't know. So I went to visit her. It was coming up to the end. So I went to visit her, and the people at the desk said she's she's not really recognizing a lot of people. The other hmm. Sid Caesar was here, and she didn't know who he was. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So um, Howard went in to see her, and she was in her bed, and she was real excited, and she said to him, "They told me somebody from your show of shows is here." I wonder who it is. <laughs> and she said, he, Howard said, Emma Jean, it's me, Howie. And she was like, she didn't really know who, she didn't know who he was really. So he, she knew, he knew it was bad because she wasn't recognizing him. And they were very close. Oh. And uh, well, he said, you know, I heard Sid Caesar was being asked what he thought about Emma Jean Coca after she died. They were interviewing him. And that motherfucker told my story as if it was him. Like he had gone to visit her and she didn't recognize him. Oh, that's not good. He told a story on the radio that I told to him, bastard. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. But that's also true, though, because she didn't recognize him. But Sid Caesar did not go and visit her. Howard did. And then he, that happened to him. Oh, I see what you're it's saying. It's stolen yeah. Howard's story Sid, to Sid make it sound it like he had like gone to visit that her. That bastard. Yeah. Bastard fuck. Bastard. Yeah. All right. So Christmas Eve, Christmas, Christmas Eve, we swear all the time. Christmas Eve is coming. You don't know what you're having. Maybe Postmates, Christmas Day, maybe a turkey, maybe not, maybe a ham, maybe nothing, maybe crackers, Christmas crackers. Are you going to yell at a boy on the street to go buy you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw, here's a hay penny. Go get a goose from the butcher. That's as what... big as me. <laughs> yes, as big as me. <laughs> That's what you're going to do. One thing I love about late night catechism if you travel with it, is that built into every contract is a requirement that the people who are putting on the show provide food for the person playing sister and the crew. That's a nice thing. I'm sure you learned that the hard way when you were stuck in the middle of North Dakota with no nothing, food. Nothing. No food. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a very generous thing, too. Um, you're not going to believe this, Mary Pat, but we are out of time. No. 
Yeah. We're having so much fun. We're ha- we're out of time. I mean, we have like three minutes left. You and have I'm any- an important person. You should extend for me. Do you have anything that you want to say in our last three m- remaining minutes? Well, it's really good to see you too. Yes, you both you have both aged all right. Mostly Jan, huh? <laughs> well, yeah, Mary Pat. That's Shut true. up, Mary Pat. She's beating you. I'm sorry. She's beating you. It's a fine. <laughs> she can beat me. I don't care. I'm not really. Why but are you? Are Mary you? Pat. Are you fishing for an invitation for Christmas Eve? No, I got my own Christmas Eve thing going on. Oh, I yes. forgot how important you are. I'm so sorry. No, I'm not important. I just have my own Christmas Eve. I already made plans. It's in like four or five days for crying out loud. There are individuals that choose to be with you. Well, I wouldn't yes. say that. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. Oh, Her poor my mother has God. nowhere else to okay. go. Yeah. She's not that mobile. This, what a chance. She lives next door. This podcast yeah. has really gone south, okay? But let me just say this. It's been a, an honor and a privilege to have you here. All kidding yes. aside, oh my Mary God. Pat. We've really I loved having you here. You're a legend. Yeah. You're a legend. You are. The, the woman, the myth, the legend. The legend. And, you know, I promise if I make spaghetti sauce for you in the future, which I will, I will not put spices in it. And I owe you a batch of chocolate chip walnut, milk chocolate chip walnut cookies. And you do like my mac and cheese. I do. Every time we turn around, though, we make a meatloaf at our house. We order the fixings for meatloaf and just throw it together and have meatloaf. I'm not a good meatloaf maker. We make good meatloaf down there. I don't like meatloaf. And sometimes if there's meatloaf left over, they take it and chop it up and put it in the spaghetti sauce, and we have meat in the spaghetti sauce. Okay. Well, maybe you'll have meatloaf for Christmas after all. I wouldn't mind that. I would eat that. And maybe some mashed potatoes, too. That sounds like a meal even baby Jesus would have enjoyed. Yes. All right. Well, thank you. We thank you. And Merry Christmas to you, Mary Pat. Merry Christmas. Thank you for coming. Okay. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Oi. Oi, Merry Christmas.